I'm Tracy from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Are you a small business owner or even someone who dreams of entrepreneurship? Then check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. Join hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres as they interview entrepreneurs sharing insights around starting and nurturing a small business. You won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotel's family of 22 brands has over 7,400 locations and the perfect hotel for any traveler you want to be. Like a Cambria Hotel serving up locally inspired craft cocktails for all my folks who maybe want to meet up and talk about Mad Royals. Check into a Radisson Hotel with flexible workspaces for you strivers who listen during business travel. Or a Comfort Hotel with free hot breakfast, family-friendly pools, and big spacious rooms for the parents who listen with their kids and need a little retreat. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you when you book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And not just the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Sarah Dowdy. And I'm Dublina Chuckleboarding. And Dublina, I don't know if you've heard of Felicity Aston. I heard this dispatch from her on the radio the other week. No, I haven't heard of her. She's a polar explorer, a British woman who's trying to make a solo ski trek across Antarctica. And of course, being a modern day lady, she's got high tech equipment. For instance, she can tweet. I checked out her Twitter feed this morning, in fact, and there was an update from just a couple hours hours before. But still, she's out there in Antarctica all alone with more than 1,000 miles to ski, certainly a physically difficult and a mentally challenging thing to do. So it kind of got me thinking. We've talked a lot about polar explorers on the podcast. People really seem to love episodes about polar explorers and their exploits. But the stories are usually pretty grim, as you'd imagine. They're punctuated by this glory above all attitude that a lot of times gets the explorers or maybe even more often their crew, all of their men, killed at the end. And that's maybe why when I suggested today's topic to you as something for us to do a podcast on, um, Polar Explorer Fritjof Nansen, you were hoping maybe there'd be an exhumation involved. Well, it did seem kind of promising. An icy exhumation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't blame you for, for thinking that. But the first thing that I think everybody needs to understand about Nansen is that he was a different breed of polar explorer. In fact, 
I almost think he has less in common with his contemporaries or the polar explorers who came before him who were just sort of like, get out there, run over whatever you need to to get there, bring lots of men, it doesn't matter if they die, just achieve your goal. Um, I think he has less in common with those guys than he does with modern Arctic adventurers. So people like Felicity Aston who are just... You know, trying to hope, trying to inspire other people to achieve um, great things, or maybe more, more likely, real scientists who are out there collecting real data. Yes. Yeah, so Nansen wasn't just out there for the recognition, and consequently, he wasn't willing to throw his life away. Although he did have some close calls, which we'll take a look at later. As a result, Nansen also had the odd distinction of being a polar explorer with a late life story that's really more impressive even than his youthful adventures. He became a diplomat, a humanitarian, a Nobel Peace Prize winner, and so it's a life that has earned us a two-part episode. Yeah, with that kind of accomplishment, <laughs> you're going to break it up into two episodes for us. So it all starts, though, on the skis. Fritjof Nansen was born October 10th, 1861, near Kristania, which is now Oslo in Norway. And at the time, I think it's kind of uh, a developed suburban area now, but at the time it was pretty rural. There were woods that backed up to his family's property, a lot of countryside, and his father was a lawyer. His mother was an aristocratic athlete, and so he came from a comfortable background, but one that was still pretty rigorous, too. Both of his parents emphasized uh, good morals and um, kind of a kind of a simple lifestyle almost. They both had kids from earlier marriages and everybody, all the kids were encouraged to participate in sports, which were really getting a lot more popular at this time with the upper classes, especially uh, winter sports in Norway. And all of that dovetailed too a bit with a nature craze, perfect place to grow up with these woods and countryside and opportunities to get out there and experience nature all around him. And Nansen didn't just grow up playing one sport. He grew up swimming, tumbling, fishing, hiking, skating, and skiing. Ultimately, he got to a point where he could ski 50 miles a day with just his dog for company. So imagine skiing the distance of a marathon and then skiing back again. And I mean, I haven't done it, but I've always heard that cross-country skiing is incredibly grueling, one of the highest calorie burning sports that's out there. Yeah, I haven't done it either, but it looks tough. When it came time to choose a field of study, Nansen's father pushed him toward attending the officer's academy, figuring tuition was free and that the lifestyle would allow his son the chance to continue the outdoor pursuits that he loved so much. But Nansen's art teacher, on the other hand, pushed him to become a painter and a professional artist. But Nansen decided to go to university and study zoology instead. It was a profession that he hoped would allow him to get outdoors and sketch, so kind of the best of both worlds. That's what he was hoping for. And he, being a smart kid, really might have easily just gone to university and continued in that scientific career, you know, maybe even done so quite successfully, had it not been for an offer that came up a year into college from one of his father's friends who was looking for a zoology student to join a whale and seal hunting expedition in the Arctic Ocean aboard a ship called the Viking, kind of like he wanted an intern aboard or something almost. So, Nansen went on this four-and-a-half-month-long trip, and 
took the time to study everything he saw, animals, ice formations, currents, the northern lights. He'd take notes on it all. He would do sketches. He'd take photos constantly, really um, working quite diligently. So when he came home, he put it all together, wrote a book, and started dreaming of going back. That was the most important part of this expedition for him on the Viking, this Arctic bug that he caught. He also got a really sweet job after that. And remember, he's still only one year into college at this point. His job was as the zoological curator at the Bargain Museum. Bargain was one of Norway's most cosmopolitan cities and had a strong scientific community. So Nansen got to work with Daniel C. Danielson, an Arctic explorer from the 1870s, and his son-in-law, Dr. Gerhard Hansen, who discovered the leprosy bacillus. He also made jaunts to Germany and to Italy to work in some of the continent's top labs. And the only thing that he didn't like about this was the temperate winter. In 1884, he skied across Norway from Bargen to Christiania in order to take part in a ski jumping cross-country competition. I think that was his first major athletic accomplishment or public athletic accomplishment. Yeah, it got a lot of press, right? Skiing across Norway, yes. It sounds like it would be a difficult thing to do. But all of this time, you know, ski jumping competitions aside, he was doing his research. And in 1888, he defended his dissertation on the central nervous systems of certain lower vertebrates. And uh, the really interesting thing about this, I mean, I think it was a well-received dissertation on its own. But what interests me about it is that he translated it himself. He spoke five different languages. He translated it into other languages and kind of abbreviated it too, made it more readable, sort of maybe more like the Scientific American version of his dissertation, so that it would get a wider readership and people could see what he was working on. And we've talked already about how great of an artist he was. He illustrated it himself with his own lithographs, and he used a device called a camera lucida to copy directly from the microscope to lithographical stone. So you can look up his dissertation online and see these illustrations, and they really do look like line drawings of what you would see under a microscope. So he did a really great job with this, and after that, the job offer started rolling in, but Nansen turned them down. He had something else on his mind at the time, and that was polar exploration. He had caught that bug. So years earlier, actually immediately after returning from the Viking expedition, Nansen had started thinking about maybe a trip to Greenland. Yeah, and he decided to start with what he knew best, which was skiing. In the 1880s, the interior of Greenland was still unexplored, and many people even believed that it might be ice-free. Nansen, however, believed it was not only icy, but passable, and so he decided he'd ski from Greenland's remote east coast to its inhabited west. And this was just crazy. I mean, everyone thought that this was a crazy idea. Yeah, I mean, mean, crazy is the right word to describe it. That is what people, people thought, or suicidal, maybe, because... Skiing east to west meant there would be no retreat. You know, you couldn't decide um, a few days, a few weeks in to turn back and go back to the houses if winter was approaching too fast. You'd be stuck. And then also another thing that disturbed people was that there would be no base. And if you think about 
a lot of the uh, polar exploration episodes we've talked about, there is usually a base, and they go on these little dashes from the base to to try to reach their goal. Uh, The other thing that people were disturbed by was that he was planning on going with skis, so no sleds, no dogs, and that, of course, means that you can only bring what you can carry and still be able to ski across glaciers. Yeah, his Nobel Prize biography describes it like this, quote, In 1926, explaining his philosophy to the students at St. Andrews in his rectorial address, Nansen said that a line of retreat from a proposed action was a snare and that one should burn his boats behind him so that there is no choice but to go forward. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business, and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. Looking to part ways with complicated, expensive, and uncertain shipping? Then give your business the edge it needs with USPS Ground Advantage Shipping from the United States Postal Service. Keep everything simple with clear upfront pricing and no unexpected surcharges. Keep things affordable with some of the lowest prices out there. And keep it all reliable with on-time ground shipments. It's time to turn shipping to your advantage. Learn how at usps.com slash advantage. USPS Ground Advantage. Simple, affordable, reliable. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from ATT Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. ATT Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit ATT.com slash hypergig for details.
So I've seen this covered a few different ways in different sources, kind of as a metaphoric thing, burning boats, burning bridges, or as he really burned his boat. So I am curious to to learn any more about that, if um, if anybody knows or has read um, more on Nansen and this boat burning potential. It seems like your line of retreat would already be... Um, Removed, even if the boats were still there. Right, so why take the time to burn the why, boats? Why take them, unless you just wanted one last big warm bonfire. <laughs> um, so consequently, because of the nature of this expedition, Nansen had trouble funding what seemed like suicide to a lot of people. He finally got a grant from a Danish politician and formed a five-member team. There were three Norwegians and two Sami and uh, had a lot of trouble getting going on the mission to or on the expedition. There were many delays, and uh, they couldn't even start ascending the Greenland Glacier until about mid-August 1888, by which point Arctic summer was kind of coming to an end, and it, one of the crucial things was to be able to make it across the, the glacier before winter set in. So the party skied 9,000 feet above sea level in temperatures as low as negative 49 degrees Fahrenheit, with no choice but to just keep on going. They had brought along some pemmican, which, as I understand it, is kind of like the original power bar. But the Portable mixture, food. <laughs> but the mixture didn't have enough fat in it, which was really, I mean, they were close to starvation, right? Well, they were suffering a lot from that, and... Um, Fortunately, though, they were able to have enough strength to keep going. And by late September, they reached the West Coast. And by early October, they got to a settled area. Here, another happy accident happened for Nansen's life. The last boat had left two months earlier. so It sounds like a bad thing. It sounds like a bad thing, but it did give him and the other explorers a chance to spend the winter with the local population. So Nansen took full advantage of this. He hunted, he sketched, he learned to kayak, he made friends. So when he came home to what was a hero's welcome, he had enough material for two books, The First Crossing of Greenland, which was published in 1890, and Eskimo Life, which was published in 1891. And that stint with the with the people there, learning how to kayak, learning how to survive in these temperatures, really did prove vital for his survival later on. And just kind of a side note, too, that I really like, in addition to providing a lot of new information about Greenland and its people and their customs, and just the Greenland topography, too, the trip was this huge PR campaign for skiing, which was, as we've mentioned, you know, something that was still kind of catching on, getting more popular. Kids started to form nonsense clubs where they would go out and ski and do outdoorsy kind of pursuits. And um, he was a really great ambassador for this. And I think this is maybe a good opportunity to talk a little bit about how he looked, too. Nansen is a popular suggestion, and I wonder how much of it has to do with the very impressive mustache he sported. I know. I think Tico would be jealous. <laughs> I think he would. Well, you were hoping for a mustache exhumation if we're going to really lay it all out there. Yeah, if we're going to be honest, I wasn't just hoping for a regular exhumation. We were hoping for another mustache <laughs> exhumation. But, but really, like, go look him up, though. He's got a look of a polar explorer, and I think that it'll help, too, when... If Billy Idol were a polar explorer. He does look a lot like Billy Idol with the mustache. But I think, especially in the second episode where we talk about some of his diplomatic work, people talk about his presence, the presence he had and the confidence he had. And I think that that really comes across in pictures of him and will help 
all of that makes sense. So Nansen was the new hero, not only of skiing, but of exploration. And he spent the next four years writing and working as the curator of the Zootomical Institute of the University of Oslo. He also married Ava Sars, a singer, a daughter of a marine zoologist, and an avid outdoors woman. You can find pictures of her, too, in a pretty awesome little ski costume. I mean, and by little, I do not mean little in any way. <laughs> it's got a large skirt attached. No, full coverage. <laughs> but by summer 1891, Nansen had that polar itch again. He started to plan another trip. And to understand his reasons for settling on this particular trip, we have to go back a little bit. Back in 1879, the American ship, the USS Jeanette, had gotten caught in ice north of Siberia. And that's pretty bad news, but the ship managed to hold together and drift along for about 21 months before finally succumbing to the pressure of the ice. Uh, from my understanding of how this happens, the ice, you know, forms around your boat, starts to cause immense pressure, eventually starts to break up the boat and pull it down. So that's what happened to the Jeanette, and half of the crew ultimately died trying to make a dash back to Siberia in 1881. Three years later, though, remnants of the Jeanette washed up in Greenland, and it was a major discovery in that it proved the theory that currents went east to west over the Arctic. So Nansen saw the news of the Jeanette and thought, hey, if I had a boat that didn't get crushed by the ice, I could ride that current and maybe go right over the North Pole. Sounds kind of crazy again. Yeah, sounds like part two to crazy idea land. And it, it was a really bold idea, but it was one that wisely worked off of observation and careful planning rather than the previous model we've alluded to a little bit of Arctic assault, really. You know, you get out there with like 50 to 100 guys and just go with the techniques you know, don't adapt to the climate, really. Just bundle up and make a dash for it, a a technique that obviously often ended in tragedy. There's a National Geographic article by Hampton Sides on Nansen's expedition, and it quotes a Nansen biographer named Roland Huntford as saying that, It was very unusual for an explorer to, quote, take note of the forces of nature and try to work with them and not against them. So to pay attention to what way the currents were going, think that maybe you could let yourself be iced in and just literally go with the flow instead of um, instead of just throwing everything you had at it. It took some planning, though, to figure out exactly how to work with nature in this way. I mean, Nansen had to put a lot of time and thought into this. So the first step was the ship, of course. Nansen got together with the shipbuilder Colin Archer to design a vessel that wouldn't be crushed by the ice pack, one that would be pushed up instead of pulled down. He also decided that for the mission to work, it would have to be very small. So he started gathering supplies for four or five years for about a dozen men. So a really innovative way of thinking about it. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the 
lessons of launching and nurturing a small business and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. Looking to part ways with complicated, expensive, and uncertain shipping? Then give your business the edge it needs with USPS Ground Advantage Shipping from the United States Postal Service. Keep everything simple with clear upfront pricing and no unexpected surcharges. Keep things affordable with some of the lowest prices out there. And keep it all reliable with on-time ground shipments. It's time to turn shipping to your advantage. Learn how at usps.com advantage. USPS Ground Advantage. Simple, affordable, reliable. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from ATT Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. ATT Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit ATT.com slash hypergig for details. Every detail of spending years trapped in Arctic ice had to be considered very carefully from the strength of the hull to the sanity of the men. The rudder and propeller, for example, could be pulled up as ice moved in. An insulation of reindeer hair, felt, cork, and tar kept things warmer inside. And a windmill powered electric lights that would keep the men in high spirits during those dark polar winters, allowing them to read from a 600-book library that had been collected, listen to an automatic organ, or chat in the saloon that was created on the vessel. Which, you know, maybe that sounds frivolous, but if you're seriously planning to be in the ice for four or five years in the dark for much of that time, you know, you've got to take into account the mental well-being. Yeah, the the spirit of the of the men. So Nansen's wife named the ship the Fram, which means forward appropriately enough. And the expedition set off in June 1893 from Oslo, headed toward the new Siberian islands. And by September they did what they were hoping to do. The ship was frozen in. And 
you can imagine how harrowing that would be, waiting to see if it was going to work or whether your ship would actually sink. And here's how Nansen himself described it. He said, A deafening noise began, and the whole ship shook. The noise steadily grows till it is like all the pipes of an organ. Two days after that, he wrote that the ice is trying its very utmost to grind the from into powder. But that construction worked. The ship held together. It didn't sink. And the Fram was able to ride the drift. And the crew did entertain themselves with scientific research and ski trips and even a self-published newspaper, which sounds very interesting. <laughs> Big events of the day. Yep. The drift, however, was unpredictable and really slow. So Nansen started to worry that they'd never be able to get far enough north to reach the pole and that the whole thing might actually take something like six to seven years instead of four to five. So he had to make a major decision. He decided to take one comrade, a pack of dogs, and leave the relatively cushy newspaper filled from to make a dash for the pole. The only problem here, though, was that besides bad maps, killer temperatures, and slushy ice, there'd be no way that he could catch up with the Fromm when he was done. So the Fromm, of course, would have drifted too far for him to make it back by then. So to go out on this dash to the pole, he would have to find the pole and then come back and then try to find solid land, civilization, or just be left out there on the ice to die. So that's where we're going to leave off. In the next episode, we have a polar bear attack, a Nobel Prize, and because we did mention that Nansen had a pretty impressive later career, too, saving an estimated 7 to 22 million Russians from starvation. And we do mean millions, so sometimes it's it's, uh, smart to be careful with your polar expedition planning because you have great things ahead of you. Well, keeping with this exploration theme, we're now going to move on to listener mail. So, Dublina, remember this summer when we got a lot of postcards from a girl who was taking a grand tour around Europe? I do. That was a pretty good postcard collection it we amassed there. It was very impressive, and I liked how she would tell us what she was doing when she was um, when she was writing the postcard, where she was sitting in these amazing cities. Or which podcast she listened to which in which podcast. city. It was very fun. So I think we have a kind of part two of that from listener Hillary, who is sending us postcards while she's taking a violin tour. She's a violinist, and she's touring around Europe, um, maybe beyond. She was in Hanover, Germany, when she sent us her first card. But I really like something she wrote. She said that, I've been particularly enjoying the episodes about things that happened in the Civil War era, as my violin was made in 1864 in France. Hearing about that time is like finding out fascinating factoids about someone you know very well, because I spent a lot of time with this violin, and it definitely has a personality. So I thought that was such a neat commentary, because you obviously can't know a person who was born in 1864. I don't think there are any of them left. But you can be so familiar with an instrument, you know, as a professional violinist who spends much of her time with this this thing from 1864 and feels a connection to that that time, you know, a very mm-hmm. real connection. And whoever played that violin before. Well, and presumably all the people who've, who've mm-hmm. played it before and the person who made it. And um, I just thought that was very neat. So Hillary has also sent us a couple postcards. Um, one of them is from Palermo. I think that might be my favorite. It's the Church of the Marturana. And I think that 
while you're Googling pictures of Nansen and his, <laughs> his wife and skis, um, you could go ahead and Google this church, too, because to me, it almost looks like three scoops of pink sherbet on top. I mean, that was I thought it was uh, photoshopped or something when I first looked at it, just because the color is so striking. Um, she wrote to us, too, that she she must have felt the same way. She said that it was so visually memorable that she had to send it instead of a more dignified one. She probably wrote that because the postcard does have a, again, Sherbert-hued uh, title above, mm-hmm. labeling it as Palermo. But anyway, Hillary, thank you so much for keeping us up with your travels, and um, good luck with all your, your performances. And if you would like to send us some information about your own travels or history podcasts that have taken you places or ideas that you have for future podcasts, you can write us at historypodcast at howstuffworks.com, or you can look us up on Facebook or on Twitter at Missed in History. And if you want to learn a little bit more about Nonsense's favorite sport, we do have an article called How Cross-Country Skiing Works, and you can find it by searching on our homepage at www.howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House of Works iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. 
Exclusions apply.